Today's episode of Shootcast is brought to you by Modus Operandi Brewing. Based in Marnival and Sydney's Northern Beaches, one of Australia's best craft brewers. Be sure to check the guys out in line and with Christmas approaching, what better way to celebrate the festive season with a Modus in your hand? Get amongst it and thank you to Modus for your support all this year. It's our final episode. I have to apologise about how delayed this has been. Uh, I only got around to talking to uh, Darren Coleman a couple of weeks ago, and I've even been slack uploading again, so it's very much a uh, belated podcast to finish off the year, uh, but we're there, and uh, some really interesting takeaways um, Darren's going to provide. I really want to thank Swaney for all his efforts this season, too. He's going to join me um, today, and uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. It's been a really cool experience, and I uh, got lots of great feedback, and uh, some constructive criticism, too, which is all part and parcel of uh, a first podcast adventure, so... Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoy the last podcast and can't wait for 2021. Welcome to Shootcast. Shootcast, our grand final wrap up and our season finale. Andrew Swain, are you there? I'm here, Burjo. And uh, look, it's, you know, even though it was a couple of weeks ago, it's still fresh in the memories. Good month ago. Yeah, yeah, month is, geez, that time's gone pretty quick, hasn't it? I think it's been at least a month, to be honest. Been a bit slack on this one. I don't know. Once the um, once the grand final finished, you know, it's kind of, well, that's that. But, you know, we'd, uh, we received a little bit of hate mail through. Um, through sort of a few interactions uh, out, out in the park. I, I think you might have run into one of our listeners out and about that was a bit lamenting the fact that we hadn't recorded our final episode. Mate, it was the first thing you said to me. I was like, Tree, how are you going? So the great Cam Trelaw um, in yeah. the park and and he's like, good, mate. What happened to Shootcast? You didn't do a, didn't do one after the grand final. It was the most important one. What are you doing? And <laughs> I was oh, like, oh, I was like, okay, mate, okay, mate, hold on. So, nah, he was he was good about it. It, we, uh, it was really nice to run into the big fella, actually. And, um, mate, it was good that everyone was still talking uh, talking footy. And, um, yeah, mate, it's been a pretty crazy few weeks since then as well. Has been a crazy few weeks, mate. Everyone in the um, Shoot Shield space and club rugby was delighted to hear you call that wonderful match uh, Argentina and New Zealand, mate. Uh, congratulations on the big call, and uh, what a uh, what a test to get first up for you. Oh, mate, it was something else. So actually, there was there's a bit of a backstory. If you'll indulge me to mm-hmm. what happened that day, okay? So I, I was meant to do all the when the Springboks were coming out. I was meant to do all the other tests, and um, uh, other than Wallabies and Clarky was going to do the big games, which is which is fair enough. And um, and then when the Springboks pulled out, my bosses were, and Clarkie were all like, oh, why don't we, you can still do one. We'll let you do one of the um, All Blacks Pumas games. Oh, that's okay, nice. Okay, beauty. <laughs> yeah, so so um, and, and so on the day um, up in my, my wife uh, and our family basically did a little staycation. We just we went 20 minutes from home up to Narrabeen, which was lovely, um, yep. <laughs> not too far away from home. And that's where I ran into the great – tree actually and and then um uh and then um i've gone back to the unit to get ready and i get a phone call panicked phone call from my wife about 20 minutes later saying we've lost our son i've lost him 
and oh, and he went missing for 45 minutes in Narrabeen and uh, Amber Alert cops the full gamut, right? And yeah. um, and so I had to actually ring uh, our producer at the time and say, look, there's a good chance I mightn't be coming today. Um, and, you know, and it was probably the most scary 45 minutes of my life. Oh, yeah. Anyway, anyway he, he turns up. Um, lovely couple waited with him while he got lost. He just scooted off on his scooter and um, we find him, happy ending, and I get in the car and go to Parramatta thinking, you know, this could be anything, but it's a fair chance it's going to be a, an All Blacks big score here. And then suddenly yeah. one of the great test matches unfolds and the probably top three greatest upsets of all time. Um, so Wait, it was one of those one of those one of those incredible days where I'll, I'll never forget that day. I'll never ever forget that day. Yeah, mate. Uh, sorry to hear about the, the young fella, mate. That would have been a true mate. Forty <laughs> forty five minutes for you. Nothing worse than losing your child, but uh, yeah. oh. <laughs> at least he turned up. And mate, as you said, you got to the game. And uh, sorry, I'm just shutting the uh, door here because I've got. A chorus of birds going on in the background. <laughs> well, yeah, and so I got to the game, one of the great games, um, one of the great results, uh, you know, the first time in Argentina's history that they beat the All Blacks. And yep. then um, I get back to Narrabeen, straight downstairs to the Sands Hotel, and um, I needed a schooner really badly that afternoon, cause, that evening, because it was one of, those, one of those days. But, yeah, incredible test match. Like, it... With, even with five, ten minutes to go, you thought the All Blacks could still win this. But then, you know, there was a couple of moments where the Argies just, they just stopped them at the, the critical moment. And, they uh, did. And it was, yeah, just incredible. Yeah, they were um, really disciplined, weren't they? Very accurate. He kicked all their goals, obviously. Sanchez had a great day with the boot. But uh, I was really glad I turned that out. I was sort of following on Twitter, casting an eye at a family function and, about the 40-minute mark, I'm like, geez, they're 45 minutes. They're, geez, they're in this. We put it on, the whole party stopped to watch for the last half an hour, and, mate, it was awesome. Yeah, yeah, I got a bit excited too, and it was, you know, had Mertz uh, and Greg sitting next to us and Kafe on the sideline, and, and it was just one of those moments that um, you, you never forget. Um, you know, the Argentinian fans in the crowd mm. jumping up and down, singing, shirts off, um, and, and then the... The guys who were leading the the singing though were the non-playing Pumas players sitting in their little bubble area, yeah. um, jumping. They're on their feet the whole time, jumping up and down singing. They are the mm. best hype. They're, they're the best hype group in in world rugby, I reckon. Those um, non-playing Pumas players and and Haguaris players when they when they're not um uh, when they're not playing for Argentina. But yeah, it was. It was such a great atmosphere. And then they were on the field for a good 45 minutes afterwards as well, celebrating. Yep, they certainly know how to party, the uh, South Americans, mate. Um, well, we're here to talk about the Shoot Shield, so let's uh, get the show on the road. We're very uh, thankful to be joined by the Gordon head coach, Darren Coleman, now two-time Shoot Shield winner. DC, welcome back to Shootcast, and a very big congratulations on an amazing season. Thanks, Bojo. Thanks, Swaney. Good to be here. Good to, good to catch up for a yarn. DC, you look like the happiest man in the world after that grand final win. It was a few weeks ago now, but um, talk us through that sort of last 10 minutes of the game when the Woodies had you guys under the pump in the scrum on the line 
and uh, and you know it, it could have been anything at that point. Yeah, well, that was obviously where the the game got decided, I guess. Yeah, they score there, it's they go up um, or down by one, depending on what the, what sort of try it was. But mm. but yeah, I don't know. I, I, yeah, obviously, I I still we still had I think we had eight or nine minutes. I'd, I I sort of thinking back in our guys, we might have I reckon we had a chance of scoring again in the last eight or nine and. As it turned out, we got out of that corner, um, controversially, potentially, but uh, it is what it is, and we went on and scored two more. So, um, yeah, no, it was uh, – people sort of thought it was – oh, it must have been felt good to be – must have felt comfy. <laughs> yeah, I didn't feel comfy, not even at uh, at 13 up after we scored that first one. I think we scored Rodney's try, actually, to go 13 mm-hmm. up. Yeah, and uh, the other Billy and the boys in the box going, well, let's get everyone on. I was a bit, I was a bit cautious. Thirteen points isn't, yeah, in a grand final, mm. anything can happen. But uh, that was good. It was an amazing day. Finals footy um, was a real test for you guys. Obviously, have it coming in off the regular season. It was um, uh, a really, really successful year. Obviously, you just dropped the one game during the regular season, but um, throughout the finals, you got some big tests, especially that first up game against Ramwick, didn't you? Yeah, oh well, it was always going to be like we yeah. weren't. Um, yeah, we, we. I guess the strength of our season was how consistent we were. I think, but we always knew that you get into the final six, um, yeah. so it's going to be hard. That that first semi, I'm, and definitely I want to uh, belittle or, or talk down Randwick's performance. They had a good crack, but that was one of the trickiest games you know, I've had to coach. Like we were mm. so up, uh, we sort of had. The Penrith game two weeks out where we clinched a minor premiership unexpectedly. I think Norse tripped. And so that was an exciting day. We were stoked we got the minor premiership. Then the next week we were we were really pumped up to play Eastwood in the last round to get the club championship. And we were even talking amongst ourselves about resting blokes and, and doing whatever in the first week of the semis if we mm. as long as we got the club championship. So we got the club championship, everyone was stoked about that. But we couldn't really rest anyone because it would have affected our lower grades. So it was a really tricky game to get them up for mentally. And I yeah, I sort of thought we played a bit like that. Um, again, full credit to, to Ramwick and by all, yeah, anyone that watched that game, they should have won it. There's no doubt about that. Um, but it wouldn't have bugged me if they did. Like I just thought we would have got back on task the next week and, and got on with it. It's, it's a, as much as you, you say, it, your boys can focus and play well in a in a, what was a meaningless game. Um, mm. Yeah, they can't. <laughs> yeah, but no, good. Then then uh, then the East was a tough one. They, they were great again, and just sort of a bit like our season. We just clicked at a certain point with about ten to go, and or fifteen to go in that one, and got that one, and and not too dissimilar to the Woods. We although that was more of an even battle right through. That was back and forth, but um, yeah, the the playoffs are what they should have been. It was hard and. And we felt like in that shed after the after the Woods win that we'd earn it. Like we felt like it was a playoff series. We weren't we weren't by a mile ahead of anyone else. We had to play hard and play well to win it. It was a really enjoyable season to watch the the one round and then go straight into finals. Um, I did, I did want to ask you about some of the guys in your team. You know, you weren't afraid to change your team up. Um, but every time I watched Gordon play, there was. You know, there was one of those pillars, guys like Vailanu, guys like Goddard, guys like Iona, who who stood up at that critical time, even in some of those tougher games. 
Um, how important was it to keep that kind of nucleus of your team together the whole season? Yeah, well, yeah, probably. Well, though, Mar switched, Mahe switched a few positions. He sort of went two to six, back to two a bit. Um, yeah, there was no doubting that that nine and ten, particularly, they were they were the staple. Mm. Um, we only sort of rested Rodney, the Penrith game, and and to his credit, and what what was a a glowing admiration of Rodney as a person is. He plays that game. He wins the top point scorer for the year by mile. I think mm. Godsey kicked that day and kicked thirty points. Like, um, <laughs> and we didn't even put him on. We had the game in the bag with twenty to go, and we didn't. And at no point did he ever think of the individual accolade of if I get on in Penrith and bag a bunch of points here, I'm going to win the top point scorer. Um, so I think that was just the selfless guy that Rodney was. Um, but yeah, there's no. We had yeah, Mahe was great. May was a lot stronger at the start of the year than he was in the back half of the year. Most guys were, were consistent, but I thought the staple and and the reason we won that premiership was on our nine and ten. They were just yeah. every, every day they were a seven or an eight out of ten. They were awesome. Yeah, they're exceptional. Did Iona's form surprise you at five at how well he went? I mean, obviously you coached him before, maybe not at the pivot position, but he, um, you know, obviously seen him run around the competition before, but he was just brilliant at five eight. And amazed I hadn't seen more of him in that in that spot. Mate, it's 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 funny, yeah, like how things turn out. It's a bit of sliding doors, and Paulie and I competed actually for a couple of players there on a Paulie from East on a recruitment front. There was Jordan Jackson Hope came to town. Yeah. We heard Rodney was coming to town. Uh, we both needed a fly half to to sort of steer us through a premiership and. The way things turned out, he sort of ended up with Jordan. I ended up with Rodney. Um, I had a relationship with Rodney prior. Uh, I didn't think he could have produced what he produced for me. No way. Mm. I, I I recruited Rodney as a Melbourne school kid at 17 into the Brumbies Academy. He was always talented, but he was really inconsistent. And I coached him again in Australian Barbarians team off the back of an NRC season. He was better again, more consistent, but still still hot and cold, and he just blew me away this season with just how consistent he was, like, and mm. in every aspect, like, he, he was the sort of player that would kick a goal from the sideline and then miss one in front five years ago, whereas this year he, he kicked at sort of 75, 80% all year, pressure, no pressure. Um, he just really matured. He's just really matured into a high-quality player. He's, he's picked up. For him, he's picked up a good little training contract with the Brumbies now, so he's down there uh, doing well. And I think he's off to Utah in the in the Major League Rugby. He's a like any high end shoot shield player. He's a professional. He can be a professional player somewhere. Yeah, he just seemed unflappable at stages this year. Like uh, you know, even in in the grand final and things maybe not going his way, he finished over the top. And obviously, maybe something's clicked in his headspace, but he just looked just so solid. Every part of his game, kicking, passing, running. Um, yeah, really impressive, wasn't he? Yeah, it's funny, kids like that, you see, because his thing when he came onto the scene was his footwork. He just had an amazing jump step and had these really flighty feet, but his game knowledge and all that. Now he's, I wouldn't say his footwork is non-existent, but he's not a, a, a damaging running threat uh, as he was, um, but just so solid. Um, and, and the same with Harrison. Like, Harrison... If you stereotype Harrison, an Indigenous kid that's skinny and and fast and fit, you're thinking he's going to be he's going to have footy in him, electric, uh, potentially a little error ridden. But 
the thing with Harrison, he was just so composed and mm. and ta- his tactical kicking game was oh, was awesome. On. And, Mate, yeah. Absolutely, I was gonna. That's the one thing I was gonna ask you. When when at times it looked like when Rodney probably wasn't you know bringing the the game with his tactical kicking or whatever, Harrison would step up and and vice versa. Like they complemented each other so well. Um, and, and I thought, it, particularly those last couple of weeks, Harrison's um, tactical kicking game was probably the best in Australia. Like, I, like you know, you're watching different levels of rugby all the time, but it was just brilliant to watch at shoot shield level. Football's a football. No matter what level you're at it, you've got to kick it. And I agree with that, Swaney. He's his box kick, like as coaches, you look at four to five seconds of hang time over a 20 to 25 metre distance. Mate, he can do it with his eyes closed in, in his sleep. And uh, turnover ball, those little top spinners he does in the corners. He can get mm. out from a midfield ruck and plug a right corner. And I've always been a fan of, well, not always, actually, to be honest, but I've grown into being a coach. Uh, I enjoy or I like the tactical advantage of kicking. Effectively, you're kicking 10 metres or 12 metres further up the field. So instead of having to throw back to a 10 in a pocket, if you can have the same effectiveness and the same quality with a kick from nine, whether it's a contest kick or whether it's a long kick, the the ball's ended up 12 metres further down the field. So it, it changes the whole dynamic of where the receiving team fields the ball. So, yeah, you, you see, you don't even watch England and, and those top six nation teams play. They, they would kick, general play, they would kick more from nine than ten. Mm. So if, if you cast yourself back... Um couple of years ago, taking on the Gordon gig after a very successful period at Ringer, um, to where you are a month ago winning, winning the comp. Talk us through that journey. I mean, it must be so fulfilling having, you know, set out to achieve a goal and, and you've done it. And but, but from the outset, did you know what you were getting into? Did you know it was going to take that year of building and that was year two going to be the year to really go for it? Or, you know, just talk us through some, some of the stuff behind the scenes with you and, and, and the rest of the club. Yeah, no, well, you never know if you're going to win a comp. Like, geez, everyone goes into it wanting to win it. Um, yeah, there's a few occasions I have won championships. You, you'd like to think you're going to win it, but you never, you mm. never know. Um, no, but I, I, I was, I was keen. I was, um, I had a little thing. I have a little thing. I'm sitting here right now in my room, and uh, I have a little thing. I had a little thing next to my bed that was called Elder Wef. It was last to first, and every morning I'd get up and. Look at that. I, I, I like those sort of challenges. I wanted to to do that and, and I chatted to people about doing it, about taking the team from last to first. It's it was I don't know, romantic for me. It was something that, mm-hmm. that I reckon, yeah, if you can do that, you can you can do most things. So yeah, we went we went we went at at it with a plan. I wanted to do it in one year, but that's just me being immature and over ambitious. Um, but uh, no, we, we very supportive board, um, great club. It was already a good club. Like it was the, the, the work that Dave Telfer and the club had done in their Colts to produce, to pump out all those players. Our club was stacked with solid players that were Gordon indoctrinated. They, they loved the club. We just needed a little bit of cream on top. And yeah, and that first year we, we did some recruitment and got some good guys in. Most of them stayed and by by luck or by whatever, we lost to, for example, we lost to Jake Abel, we lost to Sean Kearns, so we sort of felt we had to replace them and we landed with Harrison and Rodney and 
And with all due respect to, to Kernsey and, and Jake, we sort of traded up a bit in a few positions. Um, yeah, and it just all sort of clicked. It was, um, yeah, that, that I've, as much as I love going to teams, one of the reasons I love going to teams that aren't doing well is because they're so excited to do well. I, I don't think I could ever see myself going to a team that's already on top because mm-hmm. you sort of win and, Everyone's expected to win, or the the wins don't. Once you win regularly, you don't. The wins don't feel as good when you have an unexpected win or an underdog win, or a, you haven't won for a while. I, I I just love the the joy and the adrenaline and the rush and the the thrill the team get out of and the players get out of that. So, but but the club, yeah, as much as I was a part of it, that it, and it's cliche, but it is a club effort. There's no way I can I can do what I did. I had an amazing coaching staff with me I had a really supportive president president and board that president that that, that is a winner in life and he just drove winning like yeah mm. we, we lost one game this year and yeah I wasn't game to see him I wasn't going to look him in the eye after that one um <laughs> so yeah Matt Matt demands excellence he, he does that in his business and if you've got if your top dogs sort of drive and driving that high performance and driving that winning culture and then I'm feeling the heat to deliver, then the players are feeling the heat to deliver and, and everyone delivers, I think. That was one of the great things to see was the, the crowd on the hill, even though they had to be socially distanced at one point of the, <laughs> the grand final. Um, socially distanced. I think there was a brawl at one point. I <laughs> there was a bit going on on the hill, wasn't there? <laughs> it, was, it was a little bit, yeah. There was a few stories to come out of that, that hill that day, but um, it was, yeah, it was great to see them all singing the club song after the, after the game, um, you know, after the celebrations had sort of happened with the trophy all together. Um, that was just one of the enduring images for me of that grand final, and I'm sure it felt good to sit back and watch that DC as well. Yeah, it did, mate. Like, it, it's... I have a few little quirky things I do around footy teams, and one of the things I, I, that... I talk about is what's your happy place in footy and mine is just watching watching sort of grown men lose control of their emotions you see two guys that would barely shake hands in the street hugging chest to chest or yeah the, the, the amount of passion it but to me to be honest a bit of story out of school I thought for me as, as much as the, the, that day was good the next day obviously you're having a few beers and things are a bit that's just just that wave of feeling good, that wave of satisfaction that that sort of washes over for a couple of days. But we're lucky enough to have our presentation on the the club presentation on the Friday night after, and I think we had 350, 400 people at it. It started, and we had three or four premierships to celebrate in the club. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we walked into that function centre. It was up at Terry Hills, and it was very COVID compliant to begin with. By the end of it, it was one of the greatest parties I've ever been to. Everyone just, <laughs> the cluster. It was. Everyone just walked in in just such a happy vibe. Like, and it mm. just, the MC hit it on the head from the get-go. And it, it was, for me, that was pro- the presentation day was probably the highlight. They had, by the end, mm. yeah, everyone's up singing and dancing and, and just having a, there was just such a, a, a wave of euphoria across you could just tell it just made – and all, all the old boys come out to the presentation. They, some guys hadn't yeah. been to a presentation, day in, presentation night in 15 years and they're there, they're having a great time and that was awesome, yeah. 
You've had a couple of pretty special premierships to celebrate in the last five years. You pinch yourself at the moment. Yeah, it's good, eh? Yeah, it's... Uh, <laughs> yeah. Can you set one down the course, though, please? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it does. It doesn't always work. You've had your... Uh, everyone has their hard years. And yeah. so a couple of people asked me what are the differences between the two. There, there was... Mm. You can't compare them. I, I would probably upset a few Rats people, but the Rats, the Rats premiership will always be most special that was definitely the most emotional like there's yeah. no there's nothing we could do to change that as far as a f- sorry professional fulfilling one probably mm. the gordon one like the ringa one they were already fourth or fifth they already had it we already had a good roster uh yeah. they just sort of um clicked a little we just had to get them clicking the the gordon one um well that's they're different in their own ways like the, the rats one we won so many games in the last minute or from behind and it was just a team that wouldn't give up and 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 if you played that grand final a bunch of times or you you might we may not have made it like you, we we were we ended up first but we could have easily ended up third or fourth or fifth whereas I, just, I felt the Gordon team was genuinely better than the competition like I thought we mm-hmm. you replay that competition five times we win it four um yeah. like I just thought we Yes, and the, and the the grand final score flattered us, and yeah, we could have tripped up against Ramwick. But if you look at the course of the season, we actually was, I believe, we was. And this is not sounding boastful, but I thought we were significantly, not significantly, but we were definitely the best team in the league. I thought. Yeah, absolutely, oh, definitely, yeah, for sure, for sure. I think we felt that way the whole year and didn't really have any doubts till the semis. It started looking a little wobbly, and the scrum started to do some interesting things, but uh, just. Just too much quality. Who was the last coach to win competitions at different clubs? I can't recall one. Yeah, I wouldn't know that. Maybe Paul. Yeah. Well, it was Who? a bit of a guru back in the day, Paul Dalton, back at Parra, Parra in the 70s. Did he not then move on? Mm. Maybe the Woods in Parra? I, I, I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't, I don't Did know. La- Todd Loudon win too or just one at uni? Just uni. Yeah, I can't recall. Yeah. There you go. You could be in... Um, illustrious company there i have to go back through through the record books so mate uh you're leaving our shores um heading off to the great us of a um they've got rid of donald for you um <laughs> when, when, when are you heading over yeah it's uh yeah I'm, I'm not a political animal but i'm sort of glad that bloke's gone um, <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't doing a he wasn't doing a whole lot for COVID. i don't think um yeah. Yeah, um, as long as the other one can stay alive till we get there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, the plan is to go late January. The um, it's all heating up. We're it's funny. We like I sort of turned, switched over to the new team. Well, I'd been doing bits and pieces during the year around recruitment, but we started our official preseason November one, and uh, it's it's funny how things work out. The COVID period that we had in Shoot Shield that break. It's mm. actually been a perfect dress rehearsal for what I'm going through now. So I've got 33 players scattered mm. around the world. We've got Scots, we've got Americans, we've got Irish, Fijians, Aussies, Kiwis, Yarpies, all scattered around the world, all in differing levels of lockdown and yep. access to facilities. I've, I've got a couple of blokes working with me, Halsey, and uh, our strength and conditioning guy, Mick Steven. And... Um, yeah, so we're sort of doing. We're in preseason. We're we're heavy into preseason training at the moment, but it's 
it's all remotely. It's it's Zooms, it's it's WhatsApp, it's team builder apps, it's um all these sort of things. So yeah, we're we're ripping into it. We're we're planning to be there late January. Uh, our training camp, as they call it in the states, you can't officially start your preseason until everyone can start it together. That starts mid February. We go and get four weeks between our first session and game one. Two weeks between that and the trial, first trial, and uh, comp kicks off mid March through to August one. So, yeah, there's still a little bit of water to go on the bridge around uh, COVID, but it's getting more positive. The vaccine news of late. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, the team, the, the league has a bubble plan. They don't want to have to implement it because it's so expensive. Um, we've already been told at least the four, first four rounds are crowd free. Um, mm-hmm. And then they'll reassess every month. But yeah, I'm really sort of hoping it's going to be a, we've got a great crew of blokes who we're all sort of bonding remotely. Um, but I'm hoping I'm just hoping it'll be another great rugby experience, and uh, and the states is good people, thirsty for the sport. We're, we're going to be living in a a good city on the beach in LA, so it'll um hopefully yeah. The plan is to have another great rugby experience. Oh, it's the it's the it's the great it's the final frontier, isn't it, for rugby really? The USA and the major league rugby, you know, from from a distance looks like. It could be the start of a really great competition over there, um, so that must be exciting as well. Like, is that is that sort of part of your thought process about wanting to go over there, maybe to start something big? Yeah, I, maybe I'm not as revolutionary as that. I don't know if I can turn it into turn all that part of it. But <laughs> I was there was a lot of things that attracted me to it. Like I'm a sort of lifestyle life experience guy, so. I've been fortunate enough to coach and play in seven or eight different countries around the world, and I hadn't been to the states. I'd done a, I'd done four summers in Canada and Calgary, and just met some of the greatest people. Some of my best friends in my life are Canadians, and the three or four times I've been to the states, they just, they get a bad rap sometimes. The Yanks, but they're actually really friendly people. I find yeah, very um, hospitable, yeah. very yeah. especially in, especially in their own country. They're they're amazing. Yeah, so. That combined with where we're going to be living, um, starting a footy team on, on like your own footy team. It's like, it's like yeah, I, I love the tradition of footy teams, but maybe who knows what will happen with the league. But we could be 50 years down the track and look back and go, well, me, Hass and Hoylesy and, and, and Adam, obviously the owner, we started our own footy team. Like I thought. Yeah, that's cool. Pretty cool. Yeah, I thought that would be pretty cool. And, yeah, uh, totally. So we can – we can shape it how we want. Like I've, I've been given jobs, lost jobs because of how I do things at different times and I'm going, well, yeah, I can go and do it how I want to do it and, and start it from, from scratch and, and uh, just have a crack and yeah. And, and take my, take my family. We're all excited to go. Like can't wait to see my my little boy in, in pads and a helmet playing running back for the Santa Monica (laughs) under eight. Yeah, so I think that'll be something for him to look back one day. We sit there in his in his gridiron pads and the kangaroo yeah. kid. Yeah, who <laughs> knows? He knows he could be the first Aussie to be not be a punter. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, man, see, cool. Just tell me, um, the professional space in Australia coaching. Yeah, you've obviously flirted in and out of it. You've had a tremendously successful period now in the Shoot Shield. 
is a little bit of heading offshore, maybe that not the opportunities you've found thus far in a professional rugby in Australia? Um, yeah, I, I, I definitely can't speak ill of the system. People got to make, they got to make decisions. Like when you, as a coach, mm. you pick a player, people, and, and to my credit, or sort of not credit, but yeah, I got offered a, a good super rugby job just recently. So it's not yeah. as if people, yeah. I, I read the odd bit of commentary and go, well, yeah, this guy never got an opportunity. Now he has to go overseas. The mm. issue was I'd committed to go overseas before that came up. And maybe I do I had to prove myself a little bit more and, and I had a crack and we did well with Gordon. And, and I think on the back of that, I, I got some strong interest and some offers and, and yeah, well, I always wanted to coach in Super or have, and I wanted to get back into coaching in Super Rugby, and just the timing just didn't work out. I, I definitely, mm. I'm an Australian, I still harbour massive ambitions to come back and one day coach the Wallabies, but it, like I'd love to do that down the track. And but there's a lot yeah. of water to go on the bridge. You got to be lucky. You got to be in form at the right time. You got to have a couple of wins just when when the job's available. And and same mm-hmm. with Super Rugby. So I got nothing. Nothing bad to say about Australian rugby. It was just around timing. I probably, I, I, I'd made some mistakes earlier in my career and didn't deserve the shot at different times. I lost jobs that I should have kept. And now, when I, I sort of seem to be getting my shit together at the moment, yeah, it's not as if the opportunity didn't come. I just, I'd uh, committed to this other one first. No, that's fair enough, and uh, um, you know, it's never you never really know what's happening on the inside. So it's you know, it's good to hear that people have reached out, and um, yeah, it's good. Obviously, you're on the, the coaching vein right now, and you're obviously very good at, it and you love coaching. But you have an incredible network in rugby. I mean, you've coached at different clubs, uh, lots of clubs. Um, you've got lots of people you know in and out of the professional game and the club game. Would something like that, you know, recruitment role at a, at a national level or something like something in rugby that maybe isn't coaching also appeal to you? Oh, maybe when I, yeah, not at the moment. Like maybe yeah. when I get to, I, I think when you lose touch with the playing group, that's probably when you moved. Uh, mm. It was interesting. I, I spent the last three days with the Wallabies actually. They're here in Coogee where I live and, uh, I went in on Monday and watched their review of their Argentinian test and I've been at training in the last couple of days and spent some time with Dave Rennie and Scott Johnson and I'm lucky I'm, I'm good mates with Matty Taylor and, and Scotty Wiseman also. They've sort of got me in there and and we look at Scotty Johnson, he's the perfect example. Like he yep. was a good coach, a great coach. It's sort of, I, don't, I wouldn't say he lost touch with the playing group, but maybe got a little older, had seen enough of different organisations around the world and, and became a sort of director of rugby, that sort of role. Yeah. yeah. If, if I want to stay in what is yeah, I don't know. I, I, I would, I, but I also want to get back up home to South West Rock. So I, I could see myself being the director of rugby, the South West Rock's jailers again, maybe <laughs> recruitment's based around five schooners at the local country club. But, um, yeah, no, yeah, I, I would, yeah, maybe, who knows. But at the moment, I just, I just love the... I love the thrill of a win or loss. Like uh, yeah. sometimes those guys, their their accountability isn't so short term. I, I, I as much as I I stress about a win or a loss each Saturday, and you, it sort of drives your emotions and your stress levels up. I get to and you get to the end of the season, and your shoulders slump, and you go, "Geez, thanks." Thank God that's over. But within two or three weeks of preseason, you're going well. I'm missing the adrenaline of a, a win yeah. or loss on the Saturday. So I think as soon as 
I lose contact with the playing group. They think I'm old and senile, and I lose uh, the rush of a win or a loss. Then maybe you would look at management type positions. On a similar vein, um, in terms of opportunities, you've taken some of your star players over to the uh, MLR. Um, are they heading over for a bit of experience too, or do you think some of these guys should maybe be looking at, at super opportunities? Yeah, it's funny. I've, I've actually just noticed we've no, or our LA team is starting to announce our squad, and mm. there's a couple of Gordon boys in that, and there's, there's a bit of, yeah, obviously not negative, but there's a few Gordon faithful are going, well, geez, the team's falling apart or anything like that. Yeah. A couple of things around that. A, they won't. A, they've, yes. We've Gordon's from first 15 last year. I've lost a couple of players that come with me. We've lost a couple of players that have moved out of town. I've lost a couple of players that have been picked up by professional organisations. I I look at the years I did the Rats, 217 to 218. We lost eight of our yep. 15 from 217 to 218. Like you look at Sydney Uni after Rob coached, Rob Taylor coached into that success, they lost seven or eight. Yep. Yep. I think it's just the. Uh, Comes with the territory. It does. If your team does well, there's. If yep. you're. Uh, if you're a high-level, high-performing shoot shield player, you can be playing professional rugby somewhere in the world. There's a league that'll pay you well to go and play for them. So, mm. if I didn't take the the, the boys uh, as Mahe and, and Harrison obviously come with me, if I didn't take them, someone would have like a super yeah. team would have picked yeah. them up or uh, or uh, Rodney, for example. Rodney's not come with me. Rodney's off to Utah. Uh, the Chris Latham coached MLR team. Nothing to do with me. Um, yeah, if you perform, a professional team's going to grab you. So, yeah, I do. I do feel the pain of the the Gordon people that are going. Well, is it a one? It's definitely not a one year flash in a pan because they've done so many. If we'd have just only focused on first grade, you could maybe think that. But that club's been pushing Colts for four or five years. They've got depth. Uh, they've got an experienced coach. I speak to Billy regularly. He's already filled those holes, or in the middle of filling those holes, they'll be they'll be there and thereabouts again next year. And some of those good young Colts that have come up, they'll be better again. Your Tom Silks, those sort of guys, they'll um they'll go on to be studs. And uh, yeah, it's just it's just nature. And who knows? Like originally, when when we signed Mahe and Harrison, we signed them. To be honest, they were the two of the first players I signed. When as soon as I was signed with LA, so I knew how good they were. Mm. At that point. MLR was finishing in June, July, and I always thought they'd be back for the last couple of months of shoot shield if they wanted to be. However, mm-hmm. then COVID pushed the MLR kickoff date back to uh, March, which means we don't finish to August now. So the crossover is probably too tight. But um, no, I, I don't. Uh, I, I think those guys, guys like Mahe Vailanu, Harrison Goddard, Rodney Iona, Tussi Tautalasi, those guys are professional players. We, we're just lucky mm. we were at Gordon. We got them all in the team, in one team at the same time. Like, uh, mm. you, get, you get raps at times as a coach that you don't deserve. Like, it's we had a pretty stacked team. We, we, had, a of, we, had, a of, we had a lot of good happened players. At, yeah, it happened at Manly in 97. We had the bloody best Polynesian backline you've ever seen. It just all came together with Willie O in the pack. And it's, sometimes you just get... Get lucky, don't you? It all it all comes together. But also, that's what that's what the shoot shield's there for, right? We're there to produce professional players and and develop guys so that they can take that next step. So, I mean, that's part of it in any way, I would think. Well, there's no way I'd say there's no way uh, Rodney Owen is at the Brumbies now 
training, um, how do you not come back to shoot shield? Like sometimes yeah, yeah. He, he floated around, did a bit in Jersey, did a bit with some art, like, and then you just sort of, you get yourself back in the shot window, you play well, your team does well, and uh, people look at you. Like the amount of, the amount of super coaches I've had calling me this year around our players, uh, guys like Jack Marge and Tom Silk, they were thinking about those guys. Like they were the guys that were getting pumped. They were in the teams that were getting pumped by 80 points two years ago or their good Gordon Colts. They just needed some good players around them to, mm. for them to come through. Like Jack Marge and Tom Silk, I, I, I'm confident they'll be professional players, if not this year. And I know they've got super rugby teams talking to them and chasing them. If not this year, then next year. So... Yeah, the, the fact that guys like Rodney and, and that have come back and have sprinkled a bit of experience into that team, they've allowed Jack Margins and the Tom Silks to show their wares. The shop window, mate. I like it. That's the shoot shield. Mm. How good was the uh, the Eastwood announcement this week? I reckon that was Yeah, that yeah, was so huge. Good for, the, for the sport and for shoot shield. Like, yeah, that that's a model... Even, I know even Gordon is thinking about that, like just finding their own facility a bit a bit more spacious. I think they've got three fields there, a clubhouse, gym, offices. Yeah, like, yeah. That's going to be a goldmine for them in, in years to come. Mm. Yeah, they've been thinking about it uh, very deeply for a long time and it's a difficult time for them to, to make the strategic decision, but they just had to do it because, you know, a bit like Gordon, the, the, the demographic had changed so dramatically, so I think that they're going to a better catchment. So be interesting, mate. But where's where's home in LA? Uh, what, what beach are you perched up at, mate? Well, we, we've – funnily enough, well, not funnily enough, we've just been punted from our training facility. We were planning on training out of UCLA, which is cool. right near Santa Monica. And we're um, – because of COVID, they're not taking students on, so if they're not taking students, they're not taking a football team. Um yeah. So we're in the middle, we're, yeah, we're in the middle of a, a new facility. We could be, the plan at the moment is still be around Santa Monica. Um, yeah. If not, we could be down at Long Beach, a bit further south. So we're nice. either going to be in Bondi or Cronulla, one of those two spots. <laughs> yeah. As much as I um, as much as I love my Polynesian brothers, I'm, yeah, I'm not going inland. If I'm going to LA, I'm, I'm going right on the beach. <laughs> Santa Monica, mate, Everclear. Yeah, no, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah. You know what I love about America most? I, I love the horseshoe bar system. You know, you, oh, yeah. in, in Australia, you, you sort of got to meet a mate at a pub. You ring a, unless you're from a small country town, you generally ring a mate to go to a pub. I love the the American system where you just walk into a pub by yourself. It's like cheers. You sit around a horseshoe pub. You chat mm. the norm on one side of it. You chat the other bloke. I, yeah. uh, we'll be doing some pretty, uh, pretty good little Wednesday nights. Um, Adventures through through LA and out. <laughs> Mate, what a ball you guys are going to have over there! Like a, a rugby tournament in the states, so many expats involved. Oh God, I'm bloody jealous. Today. Have, have you um have you prepared yourself for the world's greatest prankster, Stephen Hoyles? Oh, yeah, yeah, he's not bad. He's he's good on camera. He's not he hasn't got much chop off it. But, um, <laughs> yeah, no, he'll be good. No, well, the funny, the, the good thing about and one of the reasons that we're all doing this is because we're all, we're all really good mates, me, Adam and, and Steve. And, uh, yeah, no, we, and we've all got families. We've all got young kids around the same age and they all get on well. So, Great, uh, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, I'm, I'm blessed. It's going to be a really, um, really positive life experience and yeah, can't wait for it. 
Well, we wish you all the best. I see they're having a farewell lunch for you, mate, so you've still got plenty of friends. Yeah, well, yeah. I think the brothers have bought half the tables. They, uh, yeah, they've, they've had a bit of success on shoot shield betting of late, so I think they're about to, uh, they've, uh, yeah, no, they're all coming in and uh, it'll be good. It'll be good to, um, it's more sort of, the yeah, the December 4th, Friday the 4th, there's a, a good fundraiser. The club, a lot of the shoot shield clubs have never got to have their big annual fundraisers this year because of yeah. COVID. So yeah. I noticed Issa got there on the same, theirs on the same day. Um, yeah, it's just a good little opportunity to try and, and put some money back into the to the club. But we've got, I've got a, an old uni mate, a buddy I used to live with at university, Justin Harrison. He's the MC, so saw that. Yep. Oh, yeah. Farewell. I reckon it's more of a roast coming up, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> but it uh, it should be a good day. Although you, you can't have a bad rugby lunch, can you? Nah, there's never there's no, no such thing. <laughs> no, you can't. DC, thanks for all your uh, time on Shootcast this year, and congratulations on another amazing season for you. And mate, we wish you all the best in the states. Go get them. Have a great Christmas with the family. Good on you, boys. Uh, keep up the good work. And Swaney, what a ripper here in your call, your uh, your test match, mate. That was uh, that was awesome. I'm sure the All Blacks can't wait for you to call their next game. <laughs> mate, I did uh, just just a side note. I did a radio call the week before when the Wallabies beaten. So I'm two from two against the All Blacks. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I'll have to I'll have to make that known at Rugby Australia headquarters at somewhere or something like that. We might save you for the World Cup. <laughs> Absolutely. Why not? Why not? No, mate, it's been really yeah, great boy. chatting to you this year and uh, thanks so much for your time. And every week, you know, on the phone when I ring you and hassle you for team lists and all that sort of stuff, you're always so helpful, mate. So we wish you all the best. Good one. Good on you, boys. Appreciate it. Thanks, DC. Before we just wrap up, Swain, I just want to make mention uh, of the UTS relationship with Gordon, which I have mentioned on previous podcasts, and Darren's obviously talked so glowingly about uh, that relationship through their cult system. I was uh, corrected by a couple of former Gordon uh, members there. Uh, just raised them a point that uh, I left out naming Peter Matthews, Peter Sherwood, and David Hale for their involvement in such a tremendous program, and also the friends of Gordon that were later established to help uh, get that UTS program off the ground. So they've obviously been reaping the rewards of it in 2020 it's worked so well and a great model for other community clubs to look at so uh well done guys and apologies for uh, not mentioning you before what about it mate dc heading off to the uh us so I'm, I'm a little bit jealous i have to say it uh sounds bloody appealing oh mate when he was talking about those horseshoe bars i was i was starting to i could i was getting very jealous but one of the great humans isn't he um one of the great characters of the shoot yeah. shield uh he's a guy who speaks with Pure honesty. Um, he's a he's a great coach, great rugby coach, great rugby brain, but just a good guy. And um, mm. yeah, so it's good to see one of the good guys get to go with one of the great experiences over in LA. No, he's a he's a really good bloke, and he's been um, you know really forthcoming on the show, and and as you said, just um, always engaging. Um, he's really cemented himself, and you know. Uh, some of the best coaches we've seen come through the competition, haven't we? Yeah, I oh, couldn't agree more. And it was interesting hearing him talk about the fact that he had had some interest from some Super Rugby clubs, but he, he, yeah. you know, his his word, he, he committed to to LA, and um, so fair play to him for following through with that. But mm. um, yeah, it it is good to hear that you know that there were offers there on the table for for a good Aussie coach to stay in Australia. 
Um, and, you know, one day hopefully he comes back and, as he said, um, hopefully he coaches the Wallabies one day because uh, if, if there's one thing that he's good at, he, he's good at inspiring men and, um, and women and um, he'll, he'll do that one day back here, you'd hope, one day. Yeah, well, he's going to have another um, step in his rugby journey in the MLR, and I'm sure when he comes back, um, hopefully, hopefully some doors open up for him because he certainly seems to have the, the caliber of the higher level. But um, mate, that wraps up the season. I uh, am delighted to uh, hang up the microphone for the off season. <laughs> uh, although it's hard work, a podcast, isn't it? It's hard work. Uh, it's fiddly. It's fiddly. But um, the beauty of next year is it's almost here. Yeah, it really is. What are we? We're nearly December, mate. Yeah, it is nearly here. Um, yeah. Super Rugby kicks off in February and uh, Shoot Shield not too far after that. So, yeah, yeah. it's um, – oh, mate, it's been a pleasure chatting to you every week and thanks for getting me involved. I, I really appreciate it. Um, I've, I've enjoyed, um, you know, reminiscing on every week on, on games and, and, you know, I've watched a lot more footy – from teams that I probably otherwise wouldn't have uh, this year, and that's that's been a pleasure too. Yeah, thank you, mate. It's um it's been great, great having you on. Some of your uh, pedigree in the game, and um, delighted for your uh, big uh, call the other week, which we all enjoyed. So I'm sure um, your career's hopefully looking on the onwards and upwards in the in the new uh, rugby world that we're going to have in Australian rugby. It feels like it's a a lot of positivity happening in the game and. You know, we can only hope that you're involved uh, moving forward, mate. I hope you have a great Christmas with the family and um, I'll catch you next season. You too, mate. All the best to the family and, um, yeah, looking forward to a big 2021 with no viruses. (laughs) Exactly right. All right, Swaney, with that, mate, I'll let you go. Thanks, mate. Good on you. Merry Christmas, everyone.